Welcome to ConX, a global leadership platform for construction executives. Uh, this podcast is delivered weekly, featuring a construction executive. Um, we're going to focus in on during this podcast on you know both current and aspiring executives in the construction industry about overcoming adversity, challenges, and successes. And with that said, uh, today I have uh, Jonathan uh, on the phone with me. So rather, as I do every week, rather than me tell your story, although I, you know, you have an interesting background, I'd like you to kind of tell me about yourself and your company. Yeah, so so currently I'm in the position of uh, Chief Executive Officer and President of Thoroughbred Engineering in Central Kentucky. So we service um, Kentucky and the surrounding states in this region uh, of the USA. So um, currently we are at, I'll give you a current and then I'll go backwards, but currently we are at 38 employees and we, we have a full range of engineering, civil, environmental, structural, um, surveying, construction monitoring, construction engineering, and then a little bit of deep foundation construction. So that's that's our current makeup. Um, moving backwards, we me and my partners, we acquired Thoroughbred Engineering, which was a, a very local, just site civil engineering company in 2014. And at the time they just had two people. And then so in the last five, six years, we've grown it to 38. Um, we're really blessed to, to be able to do this. And um, mainly our growth is off of just adding service lines and, and being a better, you know, a full range of service for owners and, and then other design professionals and contractors. So did you grow up in Kentucky? I did. I, I actually grew up where you're located, Nicholasville, Kentucky. Uh, my, my father, I, I was in engineering really early. My father was the city engineer there in Nicholasville for 25 years. Oh, wow. um, before that, he worked in consulting engineering. Um, he was a graduate of University of Kentucky, and I am as well. And I also have a physics degree from Kentucky Wesleyan University. So, um, so I take it you're a Wildcats fan. I am. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, so, um, so you, so you, you grow, you grew up around construction because your, uh, your dad was involved. Uh, what interests you about it, uh, to want to go into it? So the, the biggest interest for me was, you know, just the wide variety of what you get to do. If you look at civil engineering construction as a whole, you know, there's there's millions of things you can do, and it's not the same methodical work every day. I rarely have a day just like you. I'm sure that, that are, that's the same. Um, and then being able to help projects and help economies move forward is something that I'm really passionate about. So, uh, so when you graduated college, what, what did you where'd you go? Where'd you work before you kind of landed where you're at now? Yes, yeah, so I was re- I was really fortunate. Um, my first summer of college so after my freshman year i started working as a just a construction qc inspector for for a large geotechnical um, and construction company engineering company and i worked every summer there and then also part-time during the semesters and through that i got to really be engaged with with the local especially here in kentucky the local um you know, contractors and, and the local projects that were going on and also get a lot of experiencing industrial, commercial, heavy civil, almost every, um, you know, even big wastewater projects. I got to see all that before I ever graduated. And then I stayed on with that company once I graduated 
and we ended up um, getting placed onto a very heavy civil. Um, it was a two billion dollar Louisville Bridges job, and mm-hmm. I was there for for four years. Whenever I was a very uh, you know a younger engineer and, and got to, I say I got you know eight years of experience in four years, and I have the the hours to prove it. So <laughs> yeah. um, that, you all, you know what I'm talking about. Yes, I do. Unfortunately, seven days a week, and we were we were just. Um, you know, getting stuff done out over there. So very fortunate to have that here in our backyard. So what, what led you to the opportunity? You said you, you guys acquired, did you go to work for thoroughbred or how did that work? My partner, Darren Croucher, um, he had started a a company before and then um, he, he bought thoroughbred engineering and then I came in just slightly after he purchased them. But the way we hooked up, we were both at, at a company called Core Property Sciences back in the day. Um, he was a manager at that time, and I was just a young, um, wasn't even graduate engineer then. And so I had, you know, coming off the Louisville Bridges project and, and getting that experience and then, you know, being placed, I was in a big company, a very niche type um, scope of work, was paid well, just got a little bored. And the, the you know, the inside of me i just started thinking okay i started doing the math how much money do i need to start my own company i just got licensed um i had a lot of contacts you know i felt like it was the right time to do that for me and my family and so i wrote i reached out to darren knowing him and and what he had done and then he he actually brought this opportunity to me and i said go you know i said yes and and i'm so um, glad i did because you know it's one thing i i did very much enjoy being at a large company and getting to see what what I got to see. I wouldn't I wouldn't trade that for anything from a career standpoint. But there's something about being able to at least be in in decent control of of decisions and um, you know business plans and and relationships you know that you get as a as a business owner. So that that's really what drew me to that. So what you know you you mentioned before that you grew the company via different different lines lines of effort. Can you can you talk about? I mean, what would Thoroughbred do, or what were they doing, and what do they do now? What's the difference? Yeah, so Thoroughbred back in you know they started in '86 in in a town called Georgetown, Kentucky. Um, Toyota Manufacturing built a Camry plant there in '86, and so they um, Brent Combs who who started it and Greg Johnson his partner. They started and they started doing a lot of the residential development engineering and surveying as that town grew with Toyota being in that location. So they were a local site civil. They did a lot maybe in the surrounding counties as well. And, and they did very well for what their scope of work was. They they stuck to what they knew and they did it well. And uh, they have a great name in that community. So what we did when we came, we had the construction, geotech, um, background and we brought that into that company so we had the name when when we bought them and then from that you know you get a client maybe just a surveying service for a client and then all of a sudden you let them know that hey we do this we you know we bought drill rigs we we had that capability and then all of a sudden you know a you know a minimal client from a revenue standpoint you can double triple five times the amount of fees um, with that same client just by having those multiple services. So that, that was our organic growth. And then over time, you know, as our, um, you know, growing a company, you, you get more people, you get more qualified people, you're able to spend a little bit more money on, um, 
getting more and more qualified to do more and more work. And, and then so with the organic growth of having the multiple business services, we also um, were very aggressive in putting money back into the company. So what is your uh, your core focus of your company? Is it with general contractors? You know, what's your core client? What's the core service that you guys offer? So I will say we're in four four main buckets from uh from you know internally like division buckets. And so surveying, civil, geotech and construction services and then we also have sub um you know business focuses under that. But you know, really it swings from year to year and it swings even seasonally who's, who's hot and who's not from, from the standpoint of revenue. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when I look at core focus, I go a little bit deeper, you know, the what of what we do is important and that's how we, we turn fees. But, you know, the why is very important to me and that's, that's the clients. And so we like to get to owners when possible, but we also like teaming um, in design build um, focus with, with contractors or CMs or architects, um, other design professionals, but, you know, so the clients is a big part of it. And then the communities that we work in and then our employees. And so I call it the, the three legged stool. And I want all those three things to be at the focus of everything we do. Um, but we, we do like to get to the owners and that's where we can generate the most value, um, from a project for a project. So, you know, you mentioned like different plans that you had and you do your different revenue streams. What's your, you know, can you kind of give me an overview of what your five-year plan looks like? Yeah, five-year plan, that, that's interesting. You know, when I think about that, sometimes looking out five days or five months is even um, uncertain just because we, we, we try to stay very agile. Mm -hmm. um, so we're trying to look out and, and we all do this as business business owners. We look out at variables that maybe we can't control, whether it's um, economy or it's political or it's, you know, money being spent in circuit certain markets or availability of, of resources. Um, so we do from a five-year plan standpoint, we would like to diversify our clientele so that we can withstand, you know, variables changing in, in, you know, in the economy. Um, we'd like to get into more heavy civil, um, and, and we're making marketing efforts to do so. And then we also, we're, we're not afraid to, you know, to, to do a little bit more on the construction side and construction management, or even more, more of the installation of the geo construction that we already do. You know, it, it's it's funny how like you know when you first start a company, you have a one month plan. <laughs> you know, right. and, then, and then we just recently went through because uh, I hate to think of myself as old, but um, I have I have about ten years left in the company, and we kind of did a ten year plan, kind of my exit plan, and it was a kind of an eye opening thing, you know. And it's funny when it's just you and a few other people. It's like, why do we need to do a plan? We we're all here, you know. So, but. Um, as you grow, if you don't have a plan, it can fall apart really quickly. Red, and I've noticed, you know, a big part of it is when you're first starting, you wear so many hats, mm -hmm. you know, and, and you, you always fantasize about, hey, man, it'd be nice if I could put that hat away or give that hat to somebody else. But then in the application of actually being able to do that, sometimes it's hard to let go. Yeah, that delegation I fight with every day with my, my staff because that's uh, – you're right. <laughs> you know what I learned is that sometimes when you give things up, 
it gets done better than you did it, you know? Oh, yeah. so. <laughs> and, it, and it's okay if it's different, you know, yeah. and that, that's the thing that's sometimes hard to take. You know, we got, you, you have to be able to lay your pride down um, to, to delegate effectively. And, and that's something that I, I'm really thoughtful of daily, you know, and I hope I am. Well, you know, it's funny how like that you bring up a great point. I was in a, a leadership training course when I was in the military and they were talking about how people can do things just as effectively, just different. And he they they asked they did, had us do like a um, a basic uh, uh, assessment, you know, a skills assessment. And then from that, they found out that I was like a major, you know, type A, B organize almost on the almost on the ocd range <laughs> you know? and then they and then they had uh the guy who sat next to me actually was on the other side of the spectrum and then they asked us both to leave the room and then they came back in and they drew a picture up on the board and it said what do you see and i was like well a moon you know water and a beach and then they brought him in and he said oh, I see myself sitting on the beach drinking a, an adult beverage. And he went on and told this long story. And I just thought, how different are we? But we both like, mm-hmm. we both were able to accomplish the exact same thing, you know, and uh, that was kind of eye opening for me. But uh, yeah, that's, that's something I, we do, you know, whenever you do those person, you know, personality assessments or there's a whole bunch of different ones, but I, I really gravitate toward the strength finders just because, you know, we're all uniquely um, we all have these unique abilities and, and when you can get a unity around a bunch of different unique abilities, you know, that, that's a, that's a, you know, I don't know how you lose in that standpoint. So how do you guys as an organization prepare for the future? I mean, going from where you guys were to where you guys are right now. And by the way, congratulations, that's a, that's a, uh, just being a small business owner myself and know how difficult it can be to grow an organization to the size that you are now. Um, but how do you prepare for the future? I mean, I know you mentioned there's a lot of, there's a lot of variables there and you want to be flexible, but do you guys have a planning process or how how does that, how do you guys do that in your organization? Yeah. And I would like to say I have a great answer and we're, we have, you know, all these uh, checklists and and plans and diagrams, but we, we really don't. Um, what I found out I'm that type of person. I like to do lists. I like um, a little bit more planning. I like to know what tomorrow holds. Um, uh, and then on the flip side of that, my two, I haven't mentioned Jeff Garrison is the other uh, main partner. Then we have a, an associate partner, Jordan Haney, but we all have a lot, a, a different way of looking or, or being comfortable working or looking into the future. So, um, but the way we've been successful is is being consistent from a risk standpoint. We try to be aggressive. We calculate risks and we'll we'll take on, um, you know, some things that that maybe others wouldn't. But you know, we want to be aggressive. So the way we look at it is when there's an opportunity comes up, we all get together, we look at it, and then if it's something that we can see, hey, we can multiply this or add, add some staff that, that has expertise in this, or, hey, this, this, these type of opportunities keep coming up and we keep giving away these fees, and we'll look at, you know, what can we do to capture that so that we can add more value, and that, that's, that's the point. But so when I look into the future, you know, we, yeah, we have, we have some ideas about 
you know, where the size of, of different markets, hey, you know, and then we have our eyes on, on different um, geographic locations. So if I were to say, you know, five, 10 years from now for our company at, at the current, where we are today, you know, I'd like to be in a couple different markets with some key people, um, you know, offices organically growing in those markets. We may add some more service lines. We may be able to, you know, team with some people and, um, and get into more federal work. So, yeah, there's some ideas and it's, it's just staying on our toes and being aggressive when we see an opening. What significant event has really shaped the business model that you guys have today? Uh, I would jump to a conclusion to say it's, you know, kind of like when you bought the business, but I could be wrong there. Yeah, I think internally, when I was able to see, you know, because Darren was in it first, if, when I was able to see his vision and understand that we are going to succeed by failing, meaning we can't be afraid to fail. Mm-hmm. Um, that was significant for us because then I could step into the role I'm at now and then he could um, step into a more suitable role for his strengths. And then once we did that, we really, we really took off. I mean, between years three and where we are now, it's been significant growth. And I, I will say that, you know, maybe years one to three, you say from a percentage standpoint, it might've been bigger, but you know, when you look at total quality, total pe- you know, the people here and what we were generating, I would say these last two years have been very significant. And it's because we came uh, internally, we were able to unify and then shift, shift around from a leadership standpoint um, to get things rolling pretty good. And then obviously you have, you, you know, it um, when you land some, some good sized clients, good sized contracts that are stable revenue generators for your company you know, you're able to drop off some of the, some of the, the services that, you know, the profit's not really there. Um, so we've been able to just grow, grow that way. And so, yeah, outside of just taking the opportunity to buy Thoroughbred and, and I'll, I'll give Darren all the credit for that. Um, it's been that internal shifting around and mindset change to be all pulling in the same direction. How has COVID? Have you feel? Have you felt the the repercussions of COVID, or you know, what's kind of what's your take on it? Actually, you know, and 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 there may be an opportunity cost here for us, but we have not felt it at all. We've actually grown through it, mm-hmm. and um, I don't know if it's because you know we're in the Midwest. Um, with some of our biggest clients, one one of our biggest clients is App Harvest. And they're a startup ag tech company that's doing some some large scale um, production facilities for for different vegetables. And, you know, COVID, you know, how how everything went down with COVID, it's only accelerated their business model because, you know, we need more or better food, food distribution through through the United States, locally grown food. Um, so they, they've only accelerated, which we've accelerated with them. So there's been a lot of factors that have caused us not to feel it at all. Um, and then the line of work we do, you know, probably half of our folks can be very productive at home. Um, so we can, we just shifted to that. And then we have a lot of field people like you do that are, that are out on project sites and you just take the precautions needed and, but you're still on those jobs and you're still, those are progressing. So we have literally not felt it one bit. We've added, I think five people since March, five or six. Um, 
And then, you know, my only, my only thought is I want to make sure that I'm talking to a lot of people who have felt it so that, you know, I, I do still learn from it and, and don't have opportunity costs because we didn't have any hardship. Did, um, you know, obviously you have different partners involved in the business and stuff. What is it about you, your skills and abilities? And I know this is a tough one because, you know, a lot of people, you know, are humble about this. But what skills and ability do you have that is the reason that you're in the position that you're in and rather than one of your partners? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. You know, sometimes it's 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 a struggle to figure out, you know, what what those strengths are or how how am I being effective? Um because the results are there, but then you, you look at yourself and you're like, well, I have this failure, this failure, and, and we want to tend to look at our weaknesses. But I would say for me, you know, I'm, I'm great in support. So, you know, being the CEO and president, you know, the way I communicate to everybody is I'm the chief servant. And so I can transition and, and move throughout the company and keep our people active, meaning I can, I can help them be more effective and more efficient. Um, and then, Darren, he's just a visionary. He he sees he sees opportunity. He has ideas. He, you know, and he's he's a super technical, great engineer. And then um, my other partner, he's great in operations. He comes from a heavy civil construction background, but he has a master's degree in geotechnical engineering. Um, so we really have just a, a great fit right now. And and I see my strength as really that support person. Um, outside of, you know, I'm trained as an engineer and, and uh, enjoy the project management piece. So moving on to kind of like advice here, because, you know, we have a, a lot of listeners that, you know, just, you know, if you're like me, you know, even when you finish school, you're, you you have this desire to learn consistently. And, right. um, you know, the common question I get from people is, hey, what advice would you uh, – give somebody who's, you know, looking to do, um, what, what you did, um, you know, what are some of the, you know, traps, what are some of the things that you need to keep focused on, uh, those type of things. So what advice would you give? Yeah, the, I'll go to the traps first. Cause I think that's important. So a, a trap for definitely a young professional or even a, a young, um, in construction, if you, if you're coming up as a, you know, a project super or, you know, a foreman, the trap is it's Monday to Saturday, Monday, Saturday, Monday, Saturday, and you spend a whole year working for other people and never think about working for yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and what, what, the, what I mean by that is, is you got to always be developing something in, within yourself, because if you're stagnant, other people are passing you up, you know, the, and a good example is when I was in college, you know, I would look around, I, I guess I just had this innate, um, since from the beginning, but I would look around and go, I just have to beat all these people. Like it was always a competition for me. You know, when you're in a class, I, you know, especially when there's a graded on a curve. Um, and then business is the same way. You know, it's, it's not that I'm out to get anybody, but I just have to put in the work and work harder and, and be in the room. And, and I'm going to work hard to be in the room that will lead to, to success. And, and give our people opportunities, make our communities better, and and provide more value to our clients. So that's one one of the things I, w- I really highly encourage people to do is, is spend that time on yourself so that you can be more effective. And what you want to be able to do is multiply those strengths within you into other people. 
um, when you're growing a business. So what do you think in, in your life, what are some uh, of your biggest failures and successes that have kind of led you to where you are today? Yeah, failures, a lot of the failures, um, you know, you can go to the contract side, which I know a lot of people listening to this will, will be able to uh, relate, but, you know, just getting in bad contracts, you know, I've had six figure mistakes and, and those will teach you, those will teach you a, a good lesson. And also, um, <laughs> if you can stay in business, teach you how to deal with not being able to sleep at night, you know? Um, so, and, and you should feel those and, and I've learned from those, um, so contractual contracts are a big thing and, and, and just being on your P's and Q's and, and not putting, you know, risk out there for your company. That's not warranted for, for the type of work you're doing. And then a lot of the other mistakes are, are HR or, or relational, um, you know, rushing to hire people, putting people in positions, maybe that they're not necessarily fit for just to try to plug holes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of our mottos is, from a very early standpoint is, is, you know, me and Darren were in a room and I said, you know, what's your draft, you know, model, are you best available or do you plug the hole? And, you know, we both agree we're best available. So, you know, at this point we try to look for the talent and the people that fit what we're doing and the way we're heading. And then from there, you know, you, you can teach or you can, you know, help people, um, succeed. But if you have the opposite, if you, if you just go for the technical ability, you know, a lot of times that's really going to hurt you in the long run. Um, so what, what are, uh, do you have any, um, uh, specific instances that, you know, you, everybody wants to hear a story here. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, um, that can, you know, I always talk about, I don't like to use the word failures, but it, it, it failure is not a bad thing, but, uh, um, Learning experiences. Do you have any learning, a specific learning experience you'd like to, you know, kind of, kind of describe? Yeah. I mean, there's one that comes to mind very early when I was probably 18 or 19 in the field. Um, You know, I got out to the site and I, I trained with a couple of people that knew what they were doing, some engineers and, and I saw how they made decisions. So I started going out to sites and I was making engineering decisions as a 19 year old telling them to undercut here, you know, we need to take all that fill up. It's not passing, you know, you know, as a QC, a young QC technician, I was, I was, a, am sure a contractor's worst nightmare. Um, <laughs> and so there's one job where I actually made a decision. I got reprimanded pretty, pretty good. And I may have put the company at a little bit of a risk uh, by just not knowing and, and, and being um, young and naive, but, um, that's one that comes to mind that always sticks with me because I see it when we hire a young engineer, or young technician with, with that type of work we're doing. I, you know, that's something I always uh, tell them because, you know, anybody can, can fall into that trap. But, but, you know, another one is I was going back to that contract issue, you know, just when you're growing a company and you, you get into a room that maybe you're not ready for. Um, a project you might not be ready for or a client that's, that's, uh, you're not ready for. Um, you know, I made a rush decision on a, on a pretty big job and got under contract and the contract was not favorable at all for us on the design side. So I was able to get zero change orders and we probably had, I don't know, 50 that we could have gotten. I mean, I'm not even exaggerating. So, 
you know, that was the six figure mistake that I'm talking about. And, and I've shared it with people in our company. Uh, but, you know, it's just, you got to be confident in the room you're in. Um, and if you're not, you know, maybe you need to go back, glean a little bit more wisdom before you jump into something that could put, you know, what you're doing at risk. What, uh, you know, if you were uh, given any personal advice, and I know this kind of piggybacks here, but personal advice to somebody in the executive level position, you know, I, I know for myself, I, I, th I find it's important to kind of sit around other people that mm -hmm. uh, deal with the same things that I deal with every single day. If you were doing that, what advice would you give to somebody, um, you know, at your same level um, in general? Yeah, at the same level. So the context of that would be, you know, where we are. Um, we're not a big corporation. We don't have, you know, we're able to dictate policies, procedures, what we're doing. So this this may not apply, but I think it's still important. I, and and it, so what I try to do is, and this is going to sound weird, but bring work to home and home to work. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is, is I'm... I see it all the time in, in especially in professional people, um, executives, anybody in the consulting, you know, we, we put our lives in buckets or, or it's easy to do that. So you can be, you know, a different person from work to home, or you can, you know, you can justify working longer hours away from your families or, or other, you know, other significant people in your life because of this, that, the other, but it's important for in my life. And, and I try to preach this when I can to a younger person um, or the other groups I'm in is I try to incorporate work into my home life so that my wife and my children understand what I'm doing. And it makes me a, a, a more real person to them. And then the other way around is, is the same. So with my clients or with, with our people at our office or other professionals bringing home, to work so that they know, Hey, you know, I'm a father, I'm a husband, you know, I'm a community member. I serve on these nonprofit boards. I'm involved with this church, you know, causes that are important to me, things like that. So it's a, it's a more holistic idea of who a person is. And that's going to give you a, a much deeper relationship with, with everyone you work for client or um, just colleague. Yeah, it's it's funny. It's funny you say that. I, I, you know, I have one of the one things that somebody uh, once told me that when I was very young, and I still hold this to today, it's that uh, you uh, you can't do uh, you can't do uh, a good business deal with a bad business person. And yeah. I, th I thought about that, and I thought to myself, well, some people say, oh, well, this is just business. Sometimes that's a cop out, you know, um, because it's like, and so I always try to do the right thing, you know, and who you are at work is really who you should be when you roll home. And, and I love technology has really changed this for me. I've seen it. We've been in business for about 13 years and, and in the 13 years we've been in business, I've seen how much it's changed. And, uh, it's not like you can just drop the keys in the desk and walk away anymore, you know? Uh, which is a bad thing, no. but a good thing too, because you could integrate it into your life. You know, like, you know, when my kids are little, my kids, I'd, I'd have dinner with them and hang out with them a little bit. And then late in the evening, I would, instead of going back to the office, I'd just pull my laptop open and work, you know? So, right. uh, so that's, that's kind of, uh, it's 
kind of interesting that you, you say that. So um, we're, we're to the speed round here at the end. I'm going to give you different categories, and I'm going to ask you to rate, rate on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the most important, 1 being the least important. Now, all of these categories, they could all be 10s, so don't be afraid to say that. If gotcha. You know, that, that that's in the, it's that important. So we'll start with number one. And if you want to explain your, your number, that's fine. Uh, a lot of people like to. So the, the first item is scheduling. I would say a 10. And I'll say that because our, our clients, you know, you got to get to market, whether that's getting a, a, a lease in, in there or, or getting produce out or, you know, schedule schedules a 10 for me. Estimating. Five. And I'll say that because I like to know that when I'm going into the estimating, I already have the relationship. Mm -hmm. uh, contract administration. Eight. And and I separate contract administration because you know that's the you know the actual administration of it, the actual execution of it. Right. Uh, on the other side is contracts. What do you think contracts? Well, as you can tell from my story, it's it's pretty important. I'm up there in the eight as okay. well. Um, just because of the day and age we live in, you know, a handshake. I, I you know, there's still people that want to do handshake deals, but it, it's hard to do that right now. Absolutely. Uh, design. You know, I'll say a, a four or five, and in the context of that is is the actual design itself, meaning. You know, when we approach design, since we're construction minded, we're not giving you design that we have a lot of ego behind. Mm -hmm. Meaning, you know, I, I'm not going to say this is the only way it's going to be designed because 98 percent of the time there's multiple and multiple, you know, designs that will work for that application. So design for me is is something that you want a good, clean design, but the design itself. Um, I want the team to be comfortable with that and the owners to be comfortable with that. Accounting. A business owner, I'd, I'd say a 10. You know, and I, it, it, when it, some people say, it's funny how the numbers go. I, I always want to say with accounting, how could it be any less than a nine? <laughs> you know, because you could, uh, as David Dean once said in one of my podcasts, he said, uh, uh, it's, it's a, we're in the business that you could be going bankrupt and not even know about it. So, uh, so it's, oh, yeah. it's, it's important. Um, you can, if you're, if you're operating off field for more than a day, you're going to be in trouble. Business development. 10. And I, it's relationships. I mean, that, that's, that's the key. And, you know, you know, I hear this commonly because I taught at Eastern for years and, the common thing I hear from younger people are, you know, that relationships are not as important. They don't feel the value is as important. And I try to explain, you can have all the technology in the world, but relationships is what you need when you get in trouble, you know? So, yeah. And I'll say, if you're at a big firm, you're just used to being fed. Mm -hmm. Or if you're at a big construction company, Hey, we got this job in Houston. You know, it's just, it's more of an operational thing. You don't put it in the context of what it took. And so that, that completely changed for me. You know, I was at a big firm and I took that for granted, but then I saw that, man, if, if you want to get a relationship, that's the, that's a two year deal right there. Just minimum. 
Um, and that's a lot of time and effort. And last but not least, leadership. Ten. You know, without without vision, the people perish is is the, the principle that I, I use for that. So, you know, leadership, you, you can't uh, neglect it and you can't try too hard either. So, you know, it, it's just got to be right. Well, I, I want to give you the last word, of course, uh, as I do with all my uh, guests. Um, I do want to say before I, before uh, I let you have the last word that um, I've heard a lot of a lot of good things. Although we haven't we haven't had a chance to run across paths, I've heard of you guys and your your company and you as an individual for a while, and I've heard some really good things. And uh, congratulations on what you guys have done. I I know it's not a easy thing to do what we do and do it successfully so uh congratulations to you and your crew and as i said you get the last word well i appreciate that scott and, and you the same i mean what you all have done is is great um the only thing i'll say is that you know as if you're listening to this just you know the daily grind and, and enjoy it so that's what i try to do just the joy of the daily grind and and having a grateful heart for, for the opportunity that we have, we all have in this industry. I mean, this, this is a fantastic industry and uh, I'm just appreciative to have my part. Well, thank you once again, Jonathan, next week on uh, Connex, uh, we're, we'll have another guest and we'll see you next week.